Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker film and scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials. Every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. Okay, so welcome, welcome, welcome to the forum called uh, A Woman's Place from a a Man's Perspective. I'm LaTanya Moore, and I am your facilitator for this evening, and I'm really excited uh, about this forum. And uh, for those of you uh, that are participating as our guests, thank you so much and welcome. Please feel free to type any comments, any questions that you have. We're going to take those directly into the chat. Uh, if time permits at the very end, we will, you will be able to ask live questions. Uh, we just have to figure out the best way to facilitate that. Uh, probably we'll ask you to put it in the chat and then I can, uh, unmute you one by one. So we'll just kind of play that by ear, but I really want you to know that this is really an opportunity for you to share your perspectives as well, but we just have to figure out the best way to do that. And we have three awesome, freaking awesome gentlemen here. We have uh, Safir Malik. He is a certified public accountant in the state of Alabama. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen tonight. So I don't know if I'm going to tell y'all exactly <laughs> what city anybody's in. <laughs> but Safir Malik, he is, um, he does financial counseling for, for couples as part of his entire repertoire of business services. So we're really excited to, to have him here because he's also a men's advocate, very passionate uh, about the area of relationships. And he's dealt with and counseled hundreds, possibly even thousands of couples. We also have Eric Newton. Eric is an attorney, but he's also a podcaster. But most importantly, uh, Eric's area of expertise in the practice of law is family law, particularly divorce. And so to his credit, Eric has participated in thousands of divorces. <laughs> and so what it did for Eric is that he teamed up with the psychologist and they were doing some retreats, I think Eric, and certainly correct me if I'm wrong, yep. where they were helping couples work through issues. So Eric is going to talk with us about the other side. Um, we also have Mario Brown, who is a spiritual counselor. He has probably as well counseled thousands of couples uh, who are looking to get married, who are in relationships, who are already married. So he has a wealth of knowledge uh, as it relates to that. Mario also has uh, a, I guess his thought leadership, for lack of a better word, is called Empowerment for Life, where he looks at a multitude of relationships, not just male-female relationships, but also family relationships uh, and blended families and a lot of uh, uh, issues related to parenting. So I'm really excited, again, to have all of them here today for our A Woman's Place from A Man's Perspective. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. So I'm like jumping around because, like I said, I got a lot. When I, when I started posting this, um, I received a lot of feedback. Um, I wouldn't call it negative feedback. I would just call it some healthy concern from my fellow <laughs> female sisters around the world. 
uh, everybody who contacted me directly, they wanted to know like, oh my God, like you, why would you do this? Because you're doing She Matters, you have this, you do a lot of women's empowerment stuff. Why would you do something like this? So I feel the need up front to address that because I think it's very important. And the reason that I'm doing this is for me, it is very important to look at things from a holistic approach. Uh, I personally had spent many, many years uh, deciding what men thought, what they should think, how they should do, you know, you see I'm doing my head like this, so how, <laughs> they, should, uh, how they should do certain things, um, only to come to a realization that, guess what? Absolutely not. So, uh, <laughs> so now being somewhat of a, of a reformed uh, person, I think it's very important to understand directly from a man's perspective what they think, how they how they view uh, relationships with with uh, with women, and what are some of the uh, the problems, uh, the causes of the problems of relationships. So that's where that comes comes from, guys. And I know I see some of the people that are on are some of the people that sent me some of those messages. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> so I did some research prior to this and I was looking at the uh, American, I think it was like the American Psychological Association. Let me look here. And so in Western cultures, 90% of people have been married at least once mm -hmm. before yeah. the age or by the age of 50. And out of those relationships, 40 to 50% end in divorce. That's a high number because, of course, the more marriages you have, that percentage actually goes up. And mm -hmm. I know I'm I'm talking about marriage, uh, but but we're tonight we're going to talk about any relationship and every relationship. So, Eric, let's start with you. Let's do it. What do you think about that? And and based on your practice, because again, you spent many years practicing um, uh, in family law as a divorce attorney, would you say that that, that that statistic is accurate? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now I will say, so uh, the idea that, that 90% of people in Western cultures marry by age of 50 is clearly accurate. The numbers don't lie on that. And that doesn't even touch the dating numbers. I mean, every, almost everybody in our culture has been involved in some kind of romantic relationships, same sex, traditional opposite gender relationships. So we are all very familiar with these very challenging dynamics that arise in a romantic context. That's for sure. Uh, we, and it's also true that 40 to 50% of people getting, are getting divorced. The thing they don't often tell you is that that number has been dropping since the mid-70s. Now, it's not dropping by huge margins, but it is dropping. Uh, so we're getting better at something. Uh, and the other thing that they don't tell you is that while it's true that second ma marriages have a more difficult time uh, in terms of, of longevity, what people in second marriages often report is that those marriages are more fulfilling than their first marriages. So my takeaway from that is that we collectively are learning something about how to be better, uh, more effective, more loving, more intimate partners for one another. And that um, there's something very valuable about shattering our expectations <laughs> and fantasies in that first marriage so that we can go on to the second marriage with. Uh, and get more satisfaction from it, which is really what we want. 
Cool. And I and and again, I know that we're we're talking about a woman's place from a man's perspective. And I wanted, but I wanted to just have you speak to that because I know that that's something that you've dealt with for many years. Yeah. I want to ask the panel, and anyone can can. I, I want to hear from everyone, but anyone can start. <laughs> when you hear the the term a woman's place, what does it make you think of? <laughs> a setup. What does it make you think when you hear when you hear that? I I'm interested. Like, what does it make you guys think? Well, I'll take it for a second. Um, I think we begin to immediately think from our historical context: washing, cleaning, taking care of the kids, all of the maternal things is usually how we see a woman's place in the home. Uh, serving the man, taking care of those kids, uh, dealing with even discipline issues uh, among children. Um, but we, that's not always the way women want to be seen now, which is why Eric said it's a setup because <laughs> we, we end up getting in trouble um, because right now most people, most women are not wanting to be seen that way. Um, so that's what we immediately think to answer your question. We immediately see uh, a secretary, an admin assistant, even when it comes to jobs, we see them in teachers, we see them as teachers, librarians, those traditional roles. We don't see them immediately, when, we, when you say that, we don't immediately see truck driver, um, uh, a road construction worker, and those things. So that's what comes to mind when I think about it, when you say that. Okay, everybody has to take a chance. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same, you know, concept as far as what you just said, uh, as far as someone that really take care of the home, uh, make sure things are, you know, straight around the home and taking care of the kids, keeping the house clean. Um, you know, someone that counts that support, basically, uh, more so from a nurturing or emotional standpoint. Um, but like you say, like Eric said, that's a setup, you know. So, <laughs> so okay, so so Mario and Sophia from it, let, let me just make sure I, I'm I'm understanding, and I know the two of you, so I know that you'll correct me if I'm wrong. So basically, you you instantly think about like support staff. For, I mean, for lack of a better word, like that that person that sort of keeps things together and kind of keeps things running to you know, I, I guess, uh, compliment uh, the leadership. Tanya, you're trapping us. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let, me, let me clean it up. Let me clean it up. Because those are traditional views, but however, in this day and time, you know, I think it's more of a situation where you have a, you look at a woman as a person that can kind of compliment you or kind of fill in the gap in certain areas of your life to where you may be deficient in. And that can go across any spectrum. Um, so though that traditional view is out there, I think for a more modern time, because roles are constantly evolving as far as within relationships. And sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes that's a bad thing. Um, so I think it really just depends upon basically where the couple is at and what their individual needs are. Yeah. Because 
person. I mean, I keep my own house clean. I don't need a woman to do that. You know, <laughs> you know, I know how to cook myself, so I don't need a woman to Amen. do that. I mean, it's nice if she can, but that would not be my primary role or my primary function as far as a purpose, as far as with a woman. Right. It just depends upon whatever areas. And I'm the kind of guy where I'm humble enough to say it just some things that Sophia just don't know how to do that well. Mm. I have no problem with, you know, letting the woman come in. Hey, you better at this than me. Okay, go do your thing. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to fall for that trap now. <laughs> well, so, look, Eric, okay. Yeah. Let me weigh in. I, I, and at risk of being the guy who's picking the low-hanging fruit, let me just say a woman's place is whatever place a woman wants to have as far as I'm concerned. And I, and I really do mean that. I'm not just saying that because I know it's the right politically correct thing to say, but I think that in uh, the culture that we've got right now, where we have so much access to resources and financial safety and well-being and individuals can get an education in the area that they want and they can earn a living in the area that they want and we're not dependent upon one another anymore to just survive in this world we can be what we want to be and i think it's probably true that the configurations seem to line up along predictable lines men usually do certain kinds of things and women usually do certain kinds of things, but that doesn't mean that they have to, you know, people can do what they want and they will find a match that is their opposite. As Safir is saying, you know, a match that, that takes care of those deficiencies that the other one has. I don't think of it so much these days as a man's role or a woman's role as a couple's configuration. It's just a slightly different frame that I have now. Okay. Um, okay. Now there, I mean, there are some biological truths about the genders, but I don't think we have to be beholden to them. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with Eric on that. I don't. I, I think that that um, we're meeting people now. I'm 50, and I'm meeting people now that uh, have changed their viewpoint on what traditional roles are. Um, they don't mind taking the trash out a female she doesn't mind washing the car um but then you find those who are who are authentically caught up in historical roles where they believe that the man should take the trash out take care of cars they want him to be that traditional man and as eric said you got to find that 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 place where you guys gel together and um, we agree that that's not a big deal. We're not going to, I don't have to have you. Okay. You make up the bed better than I do. You the man, make up the bed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and just, just to interject, I, I, I understand <laughs> what, what you guys are saying, but I'm, I'm going to tell you at the, at the risk of, of possibly being slaughtered by my female counterparts. Once I, <laughs> once I unmute some of these microphones. <laughs> is that I think sometimes, oftentimes, as, as women, and, I, and when I say as women, I'm not going to admit whether or not I'm speaking for me, so I'll just say that. Mm. I think oftentimes there, there is a, almost an expectation that men will do the man things and that we will do the woman things if we want to. Now, I personally, I like to cook. I don't have a problem with, with any of that. I don't like to do laundry, so I'd rather somebody else do that. But uh, 
just my view is that most women under 35 probably can't even cook often. And, and these are our children, you know, for the most part, we oftentimes don't take the time to teach them those types of things. Cause we just happen to just do it for them. So there, there's a, a, a new generation of, of men and women that I think are, are growing up, not really being pushed or, or into those pegs because I have a 23 year old son who he know how to cook. He know how to wash his own clothes. He knows how to do all those things. Like Safir mentioned, he doesn't necessarily need a woman to, to do that. Now I'll say this. I, ne- I really do need somebody to wash my car. I need someone who's <laughs> going to take the trash out and I need someone that's going to carry all the heavy boxes and change the light bulbs and all those sorts of things. And, and Hey, guess what? It would be nice to have a provider every now and then. But again, women, I think, oftentimes, and and again, I may get slaughtered at the end of this, but I think oftentimes um, we do still have those traditional expectations or historical expectations on men, but we have a problem when those same expectations are placed on us. First of all, have you guys seen that in in what you do? And what do you think about that? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You know what? Here's the deal. Very honestly, um, I think that you're absolutely correct. And the male, it's amazing to watch a female um, tell a man what his traditional role should be. <laughs> but when he says, but then this is what you should do, there's a different list there. That thing is kind of, it kind of depends. And, and so that's where you have a lot of, I've, I've witnessed couples that come together um, that argue about who should cook, um, who should make the bed up, those traditional roles. And um, what I hear is that I don't feel like I should have to fix your plate. But he'll say, but you expect me to do the law. And she'll say, but that doesn't define me as a woman if I fix your plate. I don't have to fit into that. I think that there, that, that again goes back to Eric. Really figuring out how do you feel when we come together? Do I expect you to handle me like Big Mama handled my granddaddy? Of course you do, Mario. Of course. <laughs> you do. If Big Mama, listen, if Big Mama fixed Big Daddy's plate and she rubbed his feet when he came home, of course you do. You don't have any other reference. Come on, are you kidding? Exactly. But you know what? For the sake of peace, and these men probably can tell you, if you mention to a woman, yeah. Well, my granddad used to get his feet. They were like, "Well, I ain't your grandma." Yo, <laughs> yeah, right. But think about it. But think about it. Her response to that is, "I'm not your grandmother," because why else would you say that? Like, you want her to do what Big Mama used to do. So, of course, she's gonna let you know, "I'm not Big Mama. I'm not your grandmama." Because you're why? Why else would you say that if there was not some reference or some desire for her to operate like Big Mama? So, what's wrong with that? Now, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, let's let's. Yeah, let's I missed flip. that point. Um, let let let's flip it for a minute. It's the same thing when I have a couple in my office, and the wife may tell me, or the fiance may say, "Well, my dad at work, he paid all the bills. My mama did what she wanted to do with her money, and I just that's just the way I grew up." And that's what I expect. 
but you may be in a situation where you can't do what your mom and daddy did. So it's still, even though we may try to modernize things, there's still, still some traditional things that are embedded in us as men as well as within women, especially if they grew up in that type of environment. Right. I agree. Agreed. But this is what yeah. I think. I think that when, when faced with that, with that situation, the couple has to understand there's a fundamental detachment. Because, for example, the example that you gave, if, if I'm the type of woman, my dad paid all the bills, my mom worked, but she didn't pay bills, she blew her money, she did whatever, and my fiancé is saying, no, this is a team, this is a partnership. Your money, it ain't your money, it's our money. And so we're going to operate off of, you know, this 200000 or whatever it is that, that we make a year, and we're going to do like that. That is a fundamental difference, and those people need to question whether moving to that next level is something they need to do. I agree. I agree. I, I, there's, there's two things this brings up for me. One is that part of being a human being is that our cultural biases are inescapable. We, well, not just cultural, we have our biases. You know, we walk into a room and we make snap judgment about people and about things. We can't not do that. That said, part of growing and maturing as a human is becoming self-aware about those biases and not being controlled by them, you know? And, and it's that part that's the, that's the difficult part. And sure, you, you saw what your grandparents did or your parents and you want to do that, or it seems like the right and natural way to do things, but it's only because you were, you were enculturated to that. It's not the truth. Now you can do it if you want to, but you don't have to. And I'm saying that's part of growing up and, and becoming an adult is getting to choose the biases that you want to operate from. And, and the second thing though, uh, there, you're talk, you're speaking to this double standard where the woman points out the man's bias and then he points out hers and she gets upset with him. And I think there's actually a good reason for that. It comes, I, I was interviewing a couple that was telling me about, um, how they make the decision uh, which way to go when their biases bump into one another. It's basically this, the disadvantaged person or class always gets the green light to say that that doesn't work for me because they are in fact at a disadvantage, right? By definition. And so in order to equalize things, you let them at least have the first word. What do you guys think about that? In that case, Though the in in that case in the example you gave, though the woman would be uh, definitely doing a double standard, and it would <laughs> and it wouldn't be logical. You would give her the green light anyway, because arguably she's the disadvantaged party culturally. I don't know if that's true. What do you think? Well, <laughs> you know, you make some good points, man, and I think that um, that that I personally. Um, believe that coming together in other words the reasoning um sometimes is ludicrous as to why we want a thing because sometimes we want a thing because of an insecurity sometimes we want a thing because we need to feel power and i think that we're, we're requesting it for a hidden reason it's a hidden motive behind it always 
yeah, you know what I mean? Even though we saw it happen, we somehow feel that that's going to be a display of love. This is the way you show me love and affection. Uh, and once we get it, we keep raising the standard. That's the danger, I believe, in it. Because once right. I receive that, I'll raise the standard now and need more from you because now that's satisfied. I think that's the danger of it. And we, I think that, that we go right back to your foundational statement. A couple has to sit down and recognize who they are individually to decide what your place is and what my place is. Yeah. If I bring the stuff that I saw at my house <clears throat> in here. I always, I did a, a message one time. I'm a preacher too. So I preached a message one time, uh, monitoring what you leave home with. Uh, and it comes from when uh, Jacob had to go and work for um, Rachel's father. And he kept playing a game with him about, you know, her, them, them being together. So eventually they decided we're done. We, we played enough games. We're getting ready to leave. But Rachel goes and she takes the idols from her father's house, which we get ideology. Uh. The ideas from her father's house. She hides them under the saddle, unbeknownst to Jacob. As they're leaving, um, the father and the sons come. They're upset. They say, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill them when we find them. So they go and look for them. And Jacob is unaware of what she took from her father's house. So here we have it now. What are we taking out of the homes we come out of that we're bringing that's causing people to get in dangerous spots because yeah. I don't know what you left home with? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Be self-aware. Yeah. Know what you're taking from your father's house. I love that. Yeah. That's a it's beautiful baggage, metaphor. Guys. It's baggage, guys. Yes. It's the proverbial. <laughs> it's the proverbial baggage. But you bring up a, a, a great a great point all around because we all have baggage. We mm. all have those things that we right. take from our our moms or our dads or whoever influenced us either in a positive way or in a negative way, but to uh, another point though what's the other side of that what what how how do we deal with that because uh, again we're we're talking about places we're talking about positions but but now we're also talking about what puts us in these different mindsets what are the things that we're we're bringing with us like you mentioned what what are the um ideologies are we taking like for example my mom has always worked I don't remember my mom not working. My father, you know, has always been an entrepreneur. Now, some women can't, they can't deal with that. Go to work, you know, I go to work every day. I don't know if you're going to bring anything home. You know, and, and we're talking about people that got married in the 60s. Nowadays, oftentimes women are like, yeah, I, I really need for you to get a job. I need for you to have a job. I need that guaranteed paycheck because I don't want to be the quote unquote breadwinner. I don't want to be quote unquote taking care of you. What do, do you guys find that things like, well, Sophia, definitely from the financial side, have you seen that in your, in your counseling? Yes. I mean, and, and that's, and that's the thing where I tell people they have to be true to themselves. And if a woman knows that she's, you know, contemplating marrying a guy that, you know, is running his own business, then he should be very direct. Listen, some days I may make money, some days I may not. That's just the dynamic of the situation that I'm in. And if you feel that you can't deal with that, we may not need to be together. Mm -hmm. Now, 
on a personal level, any woman, I tell you, if you can make it through tax season, you may be okay with me. <laughs> because I don't need to hear, well, I haven't seen you. It's been such and such, such and such, you know, you fooling around. No, come up here and file some of these papers with these clients. And sometimes, and you're correct, what women would say, well, you need to go out and, you know, do this, get a job or whatever. And, you know, Eric don't know me, but you know me and Mario know me. I'm not a corporate guy. I would probably never go to no one else's job. And that's just the way it is. That's my authentic truth. And if a female cannot deal with that, I promise you, I'm not the guy for you. It ain't no hard feelings. We're just not compatible in that area because I'm not going to lie to you and tell you if we get together, baby, I'm going to go ahead and get this corporate job so you can feel stable because now I'm mad and I'm resenting you. Yeah. So people just have to be their true authentic selves and just be up front. Take love out the equation. I care nothing about love. Yeah. Be your authentic self and just tell people, this is what I can deal with. This is where I'm at in life. You know, this is what I'm doing. And we have to make sometimes hard decisions. If you know you can't deal with it, you can't deal with it, let them go. And that's, a, that's a, to me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to say this to Sophia too. Uh, that's a dimensional decision. Because when you get into the dimension where you're talking about marriage, that's a totally different dimension. And you have to be able to use a different infrastructure for making decisions right there. Yep. Not the same as dating or we're going to live together. You're talking about now making a lifetime commitment, so we think, or we hope and pray for that at least. But that dimension requires you to think on a totally different level. And you have to almost be a person of vision. Because you've got to really sit down and figure out long-term how my beliefs will shape my future. That, that belief about money, income, uh, his desire for, for, for entrepreneurship, what if you want to go back to school? How willing are we to make the sacrifice? In fact, I had a conversation with someone today, and I said to them, I said, you have to be willing to own the responsibility and the consequences of the decision. You, you can't make the decision and then decide, oh, I don't want the consequences to come along with that. We have to really take, because I think the problem when I see, when I counsel people, what I notice a lot of times is they're making judgments based upon where they are in life today. Never sitting down long enough to think, but five years from now, I may decide I want to travel. Or I don't want any kids now because the business is taking off. I don't want any kids. How will this change? How will we own those decisions? And that's where we come into where's the woman's place in support? Because right there, she could be judged as non-supported and supporting if she decides, well, this isn't working for me anymore. So I think that's where we come into that. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and I <clears throat> to riff on what both of you are saying. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. And it seems to me like we probably need to not have such an emphasis on the minor details, you know, because in the long run, in a relationship, the minor details are not what we remember and they're not what matter. But talking about a framework, we oftentimes make our decisions from that framework. And um, there's a lot of value to expanding it. I was just interviewing 
this woman named Dr. Helen Fisher today for my show. And she's a researcher into love. Um, and she, she's very curious about what happens to the actual brain when people fall in love. And they did a study where they brought in uh, couples who'd been together for 21 years and reported that they were still not just, uh, they didn't just love each other, but were actually in love, which is a unique thing at that length of marriage. And the thing that surprised them the most was the part of the brain that, that um, is the part that holds on to negative memories was actually diminished for these people. There was lots of things that they knew were going to happen, like the part of the brain that recognizes gratitude, for instance. That was very amplified and lit up. But the part of the brain that remembers negative experiences was actually diminished in people that managed to hold on to long-term love. And that says to me that there's, there's physical evidence for this notion that you've got to let go of the little issues and just focus on the bigger truths about yourself and the bigger truths about your partnering. And then that's how you know what your place is. So here, so just, just to speak to that, who determines what those bigger parts are? Because as you do, you uh, do. Uh, because realistically women hold on to details. I'm probably going to get slaughtered. That's fine. We <laughs> hold on to details. We can be petty. And I'm saying we, which is, which is inclusive of me, but we hold on to details. We can, we can be petty. Uh, in 1999, something happened and you reminded me of, of you did the same thing yesterday. So here we are 2017. And so now I'm talking about it. That is a, a reality. And I'm saying that because see, I've been there. I've been that person. I've done that. So how do you, how do you fix that though? How do you, as a, as the, as the person that's receiving that, how do you, go to the person and say, we need to fix this. How do you do that and, and have success? You mean if you're a man in a relationship with a woman and she's getting too nitpicky about the past? Yes. Specifically? Well, uh, the first thing, I'll just answer this briefly. The first thing is I think you need to acknowledge the value of having that memory because there is an exceptional capacity that women have biologically, and this has also been established by research, to um, recall the entire story arc of a person's behavior. And it's very important for choosing a mate because you can look at who this human being is before you decide to partner up with them. If you're a woman, you can be like, this guy isn't just who he looks like, but he is his entire history, which is how you can predict his future, which is how you can choose a good mate. So it's very, very valuable. But it does tend to get too heavily weighted in decision-making. So I think step one, acknowledge the value of being exactly who and what you are, and then decide if it's really, really helpful in the moment. And if it's not, hey, gently talk about that. And I, I believe too, uh, just to piggyback there, I think you have to decide if you're going to be controlled and forfeit or abort a future because that memory decides it wants to live on and it wants to live large. Because I think you can abort the future um, because that thing hasn't been settled. And I think this is where we get into a problem area when you require the person who never hurt you to make up for that hurt 
or to heal that hurt. That can't be. I didn't do it. I cannot. I have no way of healing you of that. And we have to decide what steps are you going to take to get that healed? Because what becomes the problem is now I'm taxed with something that I never did. I don't know how to heal you. I don't know how to fix this. Uh, But I I love you enough to make at least an attempt to do it. Um, And so now I'm frustrated because no matter what happens, I'm unable to do that. So I think that the person has to figure out if this detail of my past is still so strong, am I ready for a relationship? Am I ready to inflict that? Oh, that's, that is edgy. Can I push back on that? I, I know, Mar- I know, Safir, you probably want to say something, but. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Um, I, what I've noticed in my time as a divorce lawyer and now interviewing couples who are having success, people come together. It's almost like it's mystical. This is like this unbelievably perfect configuration to trigger each other's unresolved crap from the past. You know what I mean? It's like we are perfectly calculated to drive up the most unattractive aspects of our mates. And because I've seen that so many times, I've started to think, first, it's inescapable. But second, what is the value in it? If it's since it's happening over and over, what's the purpose in it? And what I see is that it's an opportunity for us to see the thing we need to heal. And then it's an opportunity for our partner, on the other hand, to stand with us while we heal through that thing, while we grow through that immaturity. Now, 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 because what tends to happen, now there's nothing wrong if, you, if you're going through your issues and, and, and all of that, but a lot of times, men and women, they place unreal expectations if me as a man if i'm insecure or i'm just whatever you know when it when it comes to women and i get with a woman marry her or whatever now i'm I'm married to her but i haven't fixed myself and i make her suffer because of that and she didn't do anything to me you know, it's just that I'm reliving my past or I'm just going through this and going through that. So now I place her, and Mari always says, as far as like in a godlike situation for her to fix my issue when I should have came to her at least 80 to 90% repaired or whatever. So I would yes. make her life a living hell. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, especially us as men, we want to come in, we want to fix it, we want to, you know, do whatever we can. And some things, I just speak for myself, uh, I know that I'm not equipped to do certain things. Yeah. And sometimes you may have to just kind of back off and, you know, you get yourself, you know, some counseling, whatever you need to do. Because to me, you're bringing what I call undue stress into a relationship. For sure. Well, Eric, I want to say this with Eric, though. I think you make a great point. And I've got to, I've got to if you don't mind, I've got to steal that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just this piece though is what is the value of it yeah. I think that there can indeed be value when a person is saying I'm not going to overtax you with it but I'm being honest enough to say this is where I am 
Yes, yes. I be very valuable, man. I think it really can be. And I think it can even bond the two people together. Yes, yeah. I mean, that is what bonding is. Yeah, I get that piece. And I think that, that but then to put that with Sophia, I think that we have to, because as you said, we are all fundamentally flawed. Yeah. There's no way to come perfectly together. Broken. Together. And if you are uh, able to bring out that in me, you have something in you that says, okay, well, I can deal with what I'm about to see. But there are some yeah. people who literally are at a place where they're so broken, mm. they're so torn, they're mm. so fragmented. Mm. And I always use the, uh, the, the example, if I take, I love Waterford Crystal. And if you break crystal or glass anyway, it, 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 and you look at it, you say, that's a valuable piece of crystal. It's broken and it's on the floor now. The chances of me getting injured, picking you up, it up, are greater because you're so fragmented. You're so jagged, those jagged edges. But, but it requires someone who is very careful and meticulous in knowing how to pick that up. We have to know if we have that meticulous uh, mandate on us to know how to handle that. And sometimes you have to look at it and say, you know, can I put this back together? Or am I going to get hurt picking it up? Beautifully stated. Because, because the thing that I love about what Safir is saying is that there's the flip side where you've got to come correct. You, you can't be putting all of your baggage on your partner and you can't be expecting to be healed everything and you've got to do the work yourself but on the other hand you know you may be broken crystal but you're still crystal yeah, yeah and there there are some people who either don't mind getting cut or they're wearing gloves yeah i mean it's it's it can work but i but that comes back to what i'm trying to say is that i think the step one is to be aware as much as you can about your own brokenness yeah, so that you can be responsible for it. And see that, that piece right there I love is because sometimes we come in and we come in with a list of people we're blaming. So now, so in other words, <laughs> now if you, if you see me act like this, it's because my mama did this and then my auntie did right. this, my daddy. And then my friend over here betrayed me. So this is why. And we're not really ready to say, you know what? I am so jacked up. And I have nobody to blame. I'm not going to blame anybody regardless of who did it. And I think that that puts the person who you're really loving and trusting in a position to help you. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. So, so let me ask this. I like that whole discussion, (laughs) (laughs) but, but on uh, to, to just kind of throw something, something else in there. What is it? what does it say about the, about the receiver? So for, for example, we can talk all day about, you know, about the crystal and, and who's going to do what and, and, and at what point, but, but the other person has to be self-aware enough. Like Safir was saying, Hey, listen, he's grown to a point where he knows there's just certain things that he's not built to do, but everyone isn't like that. Everyone isn't to that point. And so oftentimes you will overlook some things. So my question for you guys is that when you come in contact with a woman, let's, let's you keep, keep going with the, with, the, uh, with the crystal example. When you come across a woman who is scarred or broken or jagged or any of those things, what does it say 
to 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 you about about you and how you should handle that situation when you're looking at this person as a potential relationship partner i think you have to <clears throat> i think you have to really analyze the situation because if you run across a woman that is broken and you know whatever as a man you have to sit back and you have to say okay is this something that i can really deal with um how deep are her issues and am i willing or am i capable of even being able to you know help her or be supportive in that um such as and this is a very extreme example but it is what it is i know for Sophia, i'm just speaking for Sophia. i cannot deal with a woman that is wild or very bad with money it, it there's no room for the discussion or anything whatever it, 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 there's no room for that because i know i have no tolerance for that now mario or eric may be able to deal with that no i ain't, I ain't able now <laughs> but listen, but listen, you're, you're the provider just make but, but, all money exactly. <laughs> but guess what? guess what even though i may be the provider there's an area of what i call with, with responsibility because we're going to constantly go back and forth about if I feel like, and this is just true examples, if I feel like we should take money and pay a bill or pay down on our debt, but you want some new granite countertops. And if you feel like, well, it's my house, I can do what I want to do or whatever, you know, you got to live. At the end of the day, no matter how much we try to traditionalize or modernize roles, if something goes wrong in a man's household, because last time I checked, even though you know, things are different, but anytime that woman becomes married to that man, she gets his name. And anything that, is a, that your name is attached to, you're responsible for. So if she's irresponsible, they're not going to say, oh, you know, well, look at Susie. She did this. No, she, and she married to Sophia. Why does Sophia allow that to happen? Mm. How come they can't pay oh, their wow. Allow? Are you kidding me? Allow? I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm just being real with it. So why would I go through that if I know that I'm, I'm finna go through hell with this woman about spending money? It would be more suitable for me to find someone that thinks the same way I do about money, about saving and priorities, instead of trying to fix someone that grew up in a household where mama did what she wanted to do or they did what they wanted to do with their money. Unless... She's willing to let, exactly. her, to let you teach her about money and redefine her outlook on money, spending, saving. That's what exactly. we're about. So are you guys advocating that, that he should reprogram a woman? Like, come on, really? No, I'm not advocating. What I'm saying if he realizes he can't deal with it, he needs to cut her loose. But here she go. Here we go again. I think that she has to admit that she's horrible with money because of her credit. By whose standard? By whose standard? Who says standard horrible? Watch this. If her credit is jacked up, that's a national standard. That's period. If she can't pay her bills, if she goes out and gets her hair done before she pays a light bill, that's a drunk man standard. Because you're irresponsible. So now but she doesn't look good. If she doesn't look good, then he's not going to be attracted to her. But you know what? In the dark, <laughs> <basically, laughs> I'm <anyway>. busted. <laughs> she is just. <laughs> she is just. <laughs> and listen, but you know what? This is here, Sophia. 
Here's his other piece today. Eric, I know you guys are the same. Let me say this real quick. Um, one thing about a female coming to us broken, a broken female to a man is oftentimes the thing that brings out the mechanic in him, that inner mechanic, that, in, that, that inner engineer because he wants to attempt to fix it. This is why we open, you know, as little kids, we were opening the VCR, trying to see how it worked. If, if the tape got stuck in it, we knew how to open it up and get the tape out of it. We want to tinker with our bicycles. So when that fragile woman comes in and she's broken, most men make attempts to solve problems. They usually make attempts, if they, if they see she's broken or she doesn't know anything, like, I've had females that I had to teach to go to the grocery store and buy groceries wisely because they go straight to the cookie aisle. No, Precious, you need some meat. You precious? Need some meat. Precious? Seriously? Yeah, Precious, listen, baby girl, you don't know what you're doing you, because you're coming in my house and you're looking at how I got my stuff stocked up and you say, oh, this is really nice. But I go to your house and you ain't even got but a corner of juice. <laughs> and, that, and that means what i mean listen some people really believe just being prepared for the day give us this day our daily bread well that don't work with me cuz it don't, don't work with me <laughs> <laughs> okay eric eric i know that you are just you are just chomping at the bit because i see you there I just okay think eric your turn <laughs> Well, uh, let's see. What would and, I? And wait, what I'm I, sorry. I, I'm one one thing. We do have a question on the floor. So after Eric, a comment. So after Eric says what he has to say, we're gonna get to the comment. Okay. Uh, well, mine is quick. I I really think what 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 we're pointing to through all all of the funny ways that we're expressing it is that you know we all have our standards. Um, men have standards and women have standards, and 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 we just do, and and you can't escape them. So. You know, acknowledge it. Let it be. It's fine. I mean, yeah, res financial responsibility is really important to Sophia. He he should find a woman who's res financially responsible in the ways that he wants her to be, and there is nothing wrong with that. And yeah, you know what? Maybe it's arbitrary. Maybe there is, in fact, maybe he's wrong. Maybe he is, in fact, financially incapable and doesn't know it, which I'm not saying that's the case. It's clearly not. But if, if it were, I kind of think it doesn't matter. I, I kind of think what matters is he wants a woman who is financially structured in a specific way, and he is entitled to want that. And, uh, and if he meets a woman who isn't that, he just moves on. He should, Eric, you are he really should my move brother. on. I mean, I really <laughs> like you. I'm so glad to meet my brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Eric has been through thousands of divorces, so of course – now he knows all this stuff. He ran a bunch of retreats for couples that were in trouble. Um, but but um, Antonia says, as a woman, it is okay to be, quote, reprogrammed if it makes uh, life hers, you know, uh, individual or, uh, or together. She says it's about learning from each other. Where I am strong, I will lead. Where you are strong, as a man, you lead. She goes I to my church. She's <laughs> one of my members. Antonia, now you didn't take that from, from Pastor Mario, did you, and just put it in a chat? No, she didn't. <laughs> listen, listen. The members of the Kingdom Church cannot just come on here just to make Pastor Mario. <laughs> yeah. Where are my members? <laughs> I know. I know. Where are all my people? Um, 
<laughs> no, but but what she says, I think, is is really a a valid point, and it really does go in line with with what you guys are saying about really understanding how to be in sync. Because again, the 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 balance is weak and strong. So you you compensate from what for uh for your partner's shortcomings. And so I think that that's really a, a, a valid point. And Antonia, I'm I'm really just messing with you. So hopefully. <laughs> um but I, I do I do want to shift for just a second if if that's okay because I want to get to a couple of things that were sent to me and I think they're gonna be really awesome. Uh so I'll start with this first one because someone said to me that uh the the issue is that men are intimidated by women and their success. Uh, I have a response to this. I have one for that too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> go, okay. Eric. Let me go. Let me just hit it first. So, uh, Match.com releases a research study every year where they take a, a broad sampling of the American single American public. And it's every race, class, and gender, and age, uh, as long as they're single. And they ask uh, 200 questions about dating. And the one that, um, the data point that surprised them the most this year, I happen to know this because it came out today, and that's why I was interviewing Dr. Fisher earlier today, because she ran the study. The point that, it, that surprised them the most is that, overwhelmingly men are attracted to entrepreneurial self-starting women. And this has changed from the past, but it is overwhelming in this day and age. Men are attracted to strong, financially self-sufficient women. Sophia. Well, On a personal level, like I'm not intimidated about a woman's success. A lot of times that tend to create problems sometimes. And it depends <laughs> on the dynamic of the relationship. Mm, mm, mm. Because sometimes, if, uh, and, and, that, and that goes back to what I've been, been saying, you have to know your true authentic self. Um, if a woman is doing well, she's successful, she's running her own business, she's doing whatever she's doing, that's, that's great. That's nice. That's that's great. When it comes to relationship, and as far as within, uh, no offense, there, but but within our culture, you know, that that sometimes creates a problem within 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 our culture. Because sometimes a lot of our women, they can't separate the role that they have on the job versus the role within the relationship, and that yeah. depends on the man. Yeah. So, so you're saying, Sophia, that 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 women in our culture, we don't know our place. We're trying no. to we're trying to roll over the boardroom. <laughs> what I'm saying is, well, what I'm saying is, you know, this is what I'm saying. Because somebody in the chat room said that's what you all say. However, dot dot dot. I'm just saying. No, well, what I'm saying is, is this right here. That is, like I said, that is not a problem. What I'm saying, it does create a problem for, it depends on the relationship. Mm-hmm. Because if you're the kind of man to where you believe in that the man is the head and he's just, he's dead, that's fine. But a lot of times uh, within our women, they have a hard time separating that role from the job versus the role at home. Yeah. And, can I riff on that? Yeah. Uh, it's quick. The, 
the, another thing I have noticed is, is broadly speaking, there do seem to be, there seems to be a fact that women do tend to be culturally consensus builders. Not all the time, but that does seem to be a trait that women have. And men do tend to be uh, more competitive, I think, on average than women. And a dynamic that I've seen to sort of support what Safir is saying that doesn't seem to work is when a woman wants to compete with her man. Mm-hmm. In the, mm-hmm. in, within the relationship, if the woman is competing with the man about something that's critical to the man's identity, for better or worse, that is going to create waves. Now, I, 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 I totally agree with that. Let, let, me, let me say this. I'm going to step out here and to, to, to really say something strong. And, but, and, and wait, I want to say this. Listen, all these members don't just jump on the pastor's bandwagon. Okay, listen. I believe that a woman was never designed by God to take care of a man. Mm-mm. She does not have it in her to share even with a man. What do you mean? Because when God brought Eve into the garden, it was already provision. She never had to share anything but her body. She's never designed to do that. Now she can be taught to do that and, and notice that it's sometimes provisional. It's, it's, it's based upon how they are being treated that they share. They'll say, I, I see this all the time. Well, I have the house, so you can move into my house with me. I say all the time, don't you do it. Why? Because she was never designed to provide housing for a man. That's not our makeup. Uh, uh, That's uh. not our makeup at all. And what happens is, if she makes more money, because Mm. he makes less money, we're built to know that whoever makes the most money is the boss. And and a woman is never intended. She she never has the, the, the chemical makeup, the biological makeup, the mental makeup, the psychological, emotional makeup to have a man to come and say, can I have some money? Mm-hmm. She would never see him and say, I, I counsel a couple that when the wife started making about $109,000, he was making about eighty. This is out of her mouth. She said, I no longer allow him to be on top of me sexually. I want to be on top and look at him. Now that came out of her mouth. Okay. Now here's the thing. I don't even think that that's all cultural because I've seen it in women, period that they just don't have the makeup to support a man. Even if they say, well, okay, I'll go to work and you can go to school and get your degree. He never forgets that. And there's going to become, there's going to come rather a moment where he's reminded when he tries to step into the man role in decision-making. You can't make a decision when you're not bringing any money in here. Uh, If he says, well, let's take the money and redirect it here. Eventually he's going to hear, um, now, what, what part of this is yours? Particularly <laughs> because she's not built to walk in that role. She's never intended by her creator to walk in that role. This is why men feel like sometimes they'll put marriage off because they can't afford to take care of her. A real mechanical man built like God made him will say, I can't afford a family yet. So he puts that off because he knows I can't move in her house. I can't drive her car and then be looked at as a man. She's not going to do it. You know why? Because her family is going to tell her, what are you doing with him? He can't even take care of you. What are you talking about? I don't care how good his sex is. 
It doesn't matter how great it is. That's between her. But in, in, when it comes to the image of that, something psychologically happens, even with a man when he knows, I've got to ask for lunch money. I've got to ask for ice cream truck money. Uh, I've got to get gas money. Can I owe $20 for some gas? And you, you know, I mean, he's just, he's just not, he's not built for that. But I mean, that's emasculating. That, that's emasculating, but that's demoralizing for anybody. I mean, you wouldn't, a woman shouldn't have to ask for milk money. Either. Well, Eric, I mean, it is not demoralizing for me to ask for $20. <laughs> really? As a woman, I have no, I have no problem well, saying, saying, babe, listen, I, I need $20. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but you're, but, but you're right. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm really making light of it, but, but I, I think, I think you're, you definitely have something there. Someone, Corey mentioned, he said often, our roles, and I'm and I'm assuming that he's talking about the role of of men uh, as providers get get revoked. What do you guys think about that? Wait, wait, say it again. He says, uh, oftentimes our roles as providers that it gets revoked, and he says, mm. but providing and caretaking is not all financial. So, what do you mm. guys think to that? Do you think that that uh, again, and and maybe uh, Mario, that was sort of to to what you were saying about there's a, a revocation in, in me being able to be the provider. Well, I, do, I, I agree with Corey to a certain degree with that. I think that, that he's very right about that because, um, again, the, this is where the traditional role of the man comes in. There is an automatic expectation for him to be able to provide a certain a, a lifestyle um, because he's thought to be a greater man when he can do that. Um, but sometimes when a woman makes more money, um, she comes in and she takes over the role. And I don't even think they're conscious all the time. I don't think that it's always conscious. But I think even if something happens even emotionally, I've witnessed couples that when this woman got promoted or these women have gotten promoted, their emotions change. They feel like they have to make the decisions. They must do these things. Is something that takes on not just their bank account increases or their tax return increases or their uh, financial status, but their psychological makeup changes as to now what is expected of them. And sometimes they just say, move out of the way, I'll do it. Oh, well, you can't take us on vacation, I can. Um, and I think that's very hard. I think that's, that's very difficult. So now the man has, has to go through this whole thing. Like, where do I, what is my place? That's the new question. What is the man's place in a situation like that? Well, what's the answer? But go back all the way to what Eric said before, the configuration. Now, I personally believe that that configuration, when a man does not make enough money to take care of his family, I don't think that'll ever get right. I think that a woman who wants to be married will say she, can, she will agree with that. I've seen that happen on multiple occasions where a woman will agree. Oh, no, what's mine is yours, baby. Oh, no, I'm not like that. I'm not like those women that do that. No, 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 baby. It's my house. It's your house. Or it's my car. We share a car. They, they, they give you that. But you know what? What kicks in? The inability. The inability to continue seeing him as that head, as that person who I feel safe with. Because we feel safely first financially. Well, and, and Vanetta says, but her, her comment is, but when, or question, but when we get married, isn't it ours in quotes? Only in an ideal situation, yes. We're right. just dealing with real truth here. That's right. Just real truth. That's nice. And but once again, I think it goes back to those two individuals having an understanding 
of what the dynamics are going to be for their relationship or their truth. The real, just the real truth. Yeah. And truthfully, no woman can respect the man that she's taking care of. Absolutely. Except for well, her son. That's it. Even to, even to a certain extent, you're going to stop taking care of your son. Now, I, there, there's some wisdom in what you're saying. And, there, and I think there's a lot of momentum behind it, probably both cultural and biological. But it's not always true. I, well, I'm the perfect example. I'll just give you a little bit of my backstory. I used to run a very successful law firm. My partner was embezzling money. We lost everything. And I had enough savings to support myself for about nine months, and I did. And then at the end of that nine months, I, uh, I went to my partner and I said, honey, I can go back and get a job now, or I can start up this completely crazy totally speculative, probably really bad idea called a podcast. Um, but it's, but it's, but it would be very fulfilling for me personally. What do you want me to do? (laughs) And she said, uh, I want you to start the podcast. Uh, and she, and I said, why? She said, because it was my passion. And I said, okay, but you know, that means I'm, you know, I'm out of money. So that means you are going to be supporting me while Supporting my actual lifestyle while I launch a brand new business that could completely fail. And we could get a year in and this thing could be a total failure. And, and then that, that's going to be very difficult for our relationship. And she said, yes, do it. And I will acknowledge to you that it created immense stress for us. It was a very, very difficult year while I became financially solvent again with that business but it was mostly mine. She was pretty good with it. She had a couple of moments, but they weren't much. And it was mostly my insecurity about being a man. You know, what did it mean that I was taking money from my woman? And, uh, and then I would start to act like, like a jerk and uh, not be self-aware about it. And, and she would call me out and I would realize what I was doing we would have a conversation and we would get right again. Um, so I'm, my point being, uh, I think there's something more important than financial support. Because when I quizzed her afterwards, what was it that made a difference for you, honey? Why, did you, why were you willing to take that risk? She said it was because I was being fully, I don't remember the phrase she used, like fully self-activated or something. I was being fully myself. And that was more attractive to her than me going, sitting in an office and making more money than her. Um, And the challenge came from me, not from her. So that's my two points. What do you think about that? Well, I will say this, Eric, (laughs) your configuration. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the original point. (laughs) Your configuration is great. I would be interested in her backstory. Hmm. Um, Because I think that culturally, that has a lot to play in right here. Yeah, she's a badass. <laughs> okay. A badass. Okay. So when we, you know, as Sophia said, culturally, our women um, have suffered poor images in many cases of men who have been marginalized, who have not been able to take care of them, fa- the family. And so when they, that's why it's always in her, find you a good man who can take care of you. See, that's been imputed to her. Mm-hmm. And that's been imputed to him. Be able to take care of your family. That's the mark of a good man. Mm 
to be able to take care of his family, send your kids to school. And it's so cultural because I see a lot of Caucasian families that they can make that dynamic work. When it comes to an African-American family, um, we may have some, some bad times there because it's, it's looked at as you're already marginalized and now you're going to marginalize us even more by talking about starting a business and now I got to take care of the family and then you want me to still take care of, of the kids and why you're doing this. Um, she's, her public image is going to suffer. Mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. family, his family, uh, it just doesn't look right because we don't see that culturally, I think. And it's important, I think, to note here that other cultures see varying dynamics um, along the way when they can see examples. But we've only seen as African-American men having to get out there and get in that grind because that's been the mark of our manhood. Yeah. You know, and I think that that has a lot to do with it, you know. Well, okay. So it, uh, that's fascinating. I had never thought about it that way. If it is cultural, what does that then, then what? If it's cultural, does that mean there's a different way to treat it? It is. What we have to do is, to, is, is let's go back. I love the word configure. We have to go back and find that female who can configure to the entrepreneur spirit. If she understands entrepreneurship, then she is a little bit more flexible to see you dream, to see herself dream. And, but if you find a person who says, no, 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 I need security, because this is where I grew up. Like Tanya said, she saw her mom work all the time, but her dad worked, you see. And so we see those things. I think that if it is cultural, we really have to work harder in finding, can you handle up front? As Sophia said, mm-hmm. I am a born entrepreneur. I'm not going into corporate America. This is what I'm, she, she can tell the truth about that man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I want to I, I wanna mention um, a, a couple of things that's kind of going on in the chat, just so you guys know. So Antonia says, um, as, as a woman, if you have a vision, I can and will support you. <laughs> but in my truth, I'm expecting there to be a success at the end, which I think is reasonable. She says, yeah. I agree with Eric. Sometimes it's the other person's issue that causes issues. My thought is being on the same team. I would just expect support when I was ready to change uh, careers, et cetera. And then Robin Jay says, um, it's definitely a cultural, a cultural thing. And then Corey says, a lot of it, Corey had mentioned earlier in the chat, um, Eric, that he had a similar, a similar situation and his wife supported him. He said, a lot of it was my own insecurities as well. It was a stressful time for both of us. I mean, what if it wasn't successful? Mm. But then I was able to uh, to hold her down when she started her company, and so he did that. And so I think, again, that speaks to and that goes back to having that understanding. But I do, I do want to speak a little bit to uh, the, the cultural side because I think that um, with, with our histories uh, in, in this country and just personal histories, I think that there is a, a very strange di- dynamic. And, and I saw this when I used to do labor and employment law where um, specifically black men, specifically black men tended to uh, be, be marginalized even on the job. So in, in higher ranks, uh, there, if, if there were black people, 90% were women, oftentimes 100% uh, were, were women in the, in the peer category, you know, for lack of a better word. So in, in the peer category, 
there there weren't any male counterparts for example even that that looked like me so there there are some of those some of those things that that play into it i believe and again no one may not agree with me but i believe that there is a huge uh burden placed on the woman to somehow accommodate for that and therein i believe therein lies the problem because there should be some type of mutual uh understanding or or something to to i i don't know but i just believe as a woman it's been my experience that uh even even in relationships that the expectation was that this marginalization was somehow my fault or i couldn't understand because I had made certain achievements uh, in, in my career track that was not the same. And so I think that's yet another layer of what happens at least, at least with us. So can I try to understand that? Are you saying uh, black men by and large have been marginalized in the traditional workforce, which is very, very challenging. And then they come home wanting to be providers but can't because of the what society has done and then they blame their women for it to an extent so the the first part yes but then when you have a typically there's an inequity is 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 what it boils down to there's an inequity in the workforce so i'll give yeah. you an example even let's say someone that has the same background that i have as far as education we're on the same level we you know we have our bar all of this I know this for an absolute fact because I've, I've lived it myself there. They will definitely select me. I remember, uh, I remember being in, in certain situations where, uh, black men, black male attorneys were never selected, even though their credentials were stellar. So, I mean, we're, we're getting in another subject, but I think just to speak to what, to what Mario was saying, uh, but but the other side of that is then how do I how do how, how is that something as the helper how do how do I soothe that because now in that scenario I'm the enemy you know for mm-hmm. lack of a better word mm-hmm. I'm the competition mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think though I, I wanted to say this real quickly you make a very valid point but I think that we cannot be deceived by appearances now what do I mean by that. I don't think that he ne- that the black male believes that you are the enemy. But what he does see is you being promoted over him. You are being promoted over him. You're being chosen over him. And so when he comes home, not you personally, but if he goes into the, the workforce and he sees that, he comes home and he sees someone that looks just like who was chosen. You just get the blunt of that. I, I don't think it's always, I, I really honestly don't believe that it's intentional. Um, I don't think, and I think that it's the same thing with white men, Asian men, and anybody else, a man, period. If he sees a woman, because you can see women dominating the workforce in management positions, and men are having to speak to them in terms of uh, begging for a raise, a promotion, they come home and see their wives and see, you're the enemy. It's, you know, y'all are taking my job. And I think that, that, that every nationality of, of women would be able to say the same thing, that when he comes home, he's irritable with me because, again, he's looking at someone who dominates in the work world, where he has traditionally 
commanded. But for us, we come in and we see it and we say, okay, I'm not trying to be mean to you or whatever, but you can make more money than I can. And, I, and I'm still supposed to be the provider. And so I don't think that, um, that it's, it's, it's not necessarily every man's issue, but it is a majority. And I don't think that when people say, well, oh, no, that's, that, you know, that's not true. If you sit down and talk to men and have a real conversation with them, one that is not filled with uh, guards, you will understand where he's coming from. It's not that he's trying to be mean to his wife, but there's a, there's a piece that he's not been able to admit that he feels and is really dealing with issues of inadequacy. And it's not necessarily his manhood, but he feels inadequate in providing the images that are placed before him that mark him as successful. Well, you know, at the risk of being repetitive, what I would say to that is that that's his opportunity for self-awareness. I mean, bias is still bias, whether it's justified or not, whether it's cultural or individual. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, framing of the universe and it's a filter on our lens and it's not the objective chiseled and marble marble god-given truth it's just our human created filter and again i just got to say it again that's the opportunity to grow is to see that he's coming with that bias i mean granted horrible circumstances uh uh maybe too horrible to ever have to get to ever be able to get through but that's the opportunity is it not i mean am i am i being right yeah, I think it is an opportunity to, to be self-aware. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think he is aware, but I think sometimes we need people, as I was telling Tanya today, to sit down and help us work through that, to figure out, uh, as I think Corey said, uh, is he upset at you or is he just upset? Sometimes you need that, that voice of reasoning to sit down with you and say, okay, now let's become aware of what you're feeling acknowledge that see i yes. think that, that's the piece that we're missing is when we come home and she's like well you yes. a man suck it up yeah you supposed to be a man you know bone up man you know yes but to acknowledge it will give him some yes. you know okay wow that's that support sophia was talking about that emotional support we need yes yes i get it. I, yes. I, I i get it but i but but i'll speak to this and say it is very difficult to do that at the moment of now, now your Duke's up, you know what I mean? Now you, but you, because a man is not going to come in that vulnerable state initially. And so it's very difficult to sympathize with someone that you feel has just attacked you. Well, that's the truth in every relationship everywhere throughout history. I mean, I mean, probably the number one most fundamental relationship skill of all relationship skills is being able to stop and get control of your fight or flight system when it kicks in so that you can have a rational, emotional connecting relationship and conversation. I mean, right. I mean, you, you're, if you come in with your dukes up, you're not going to be able to communicate. You got to get control of that first, number one, and then talk. Yeah. Like Mario's saying. Yeah, a- absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Severe. It, it goes back, number one, to, like I say, being your authentic self and understanding the dynamics of your relationship. And just statistically, you know, most of our women, they do obtain the higher degrees. They, they are promoted quicker. And that's just the way it is. But at the same time, we can't allow that to define our relationship, you know, or our roles in the relationship, because I wouldn't care if 
my woman was making a million dollars a year. But at the end of the day, long as she understood and we had that understanding together because so much of our manhood as men is tied into what we do. It is what it is. That's just a fundamental truth. It's tied into what we do, our job, our occupation, whatever. And so it's not necessarily more of an issue of she may make the more whatever, or however the situation may be. I think it's more of an issue of how he responds to that as well as how she responds to that. Because I do know some couples where the wife makes a tremendous amount of money, but you could never tell just by the way they interact with each other. And there are some situations where if she makes more, you definitely know that she does. And it's just the dynamic of those individuals that they have set those rules, as Eric would say, the configuration of the relationship. But, but Safir, it, it, cuts, it cuts both ways, though. Because, uh, uh, again, I know, I know couples, and, I mean, shoot, we know some of the same people. But I know, I know couples that have that, that very same dynamic, even on the flip side. Because, uh, again, me, I know personally men who will say, well, I make the money. I pay the bills. I do this. I do that. I do this. I do that. I provide for you. I do that. Nobody wants somebody that's throwing that up in their face I all agree. the time. And but so, is that a personality issue, though? Yeah. Is that oh, really come on. No, no, no. Stop it. No, Stop I think it. I, now, I let y'all go for 15 <laughs> minutes talking about all the fundamental problems with women and how women got all these cultural issues and your man couldn't get ahead on the job. And so now he came home and he upset, but we should rub his feet and rub his feet. Get out of here. No. It is the bottom line is this. <laughs> Seriously, but but in but in 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 all in all fairness, I don't think it's necessarily individualistic. I think certain things are are cultural, but I think it's more uh, nurture versus nature, and I think that's really what you what you're saying as well. I think that it all goes back to. What did you see historically? Because just like I said, my mother has always worked. But my father, who is now, I think he's like 68 years old, he's actually been an entrepreneur since he was 41 or 42. So you're, you're talking about a long span of time where, hey, listen, I've seen times where he would bring you know, so, so much money at home, you probably had to cut his jeans off. But I've also seen him being real <laughs> scarce and I mean, I'm, you know, but real <laughs> scarce and <laughs> severe laughing, real scarce and bare. But my mom never complained about it. But that's their, but that's their dynamic. That's, that's their relationship. That's because she trusts him. I believe she trusts him enough to always make sure and make it happen because he always has. Now, my question to the panel is, what security do we as as up and coming women have uh, now that that there is that dynamic where women really are out? <coughs> what security do you have? Well, security is an illusion. Well, I mean, what what do you mean? <laughs> what do you but mean? That's what all women want. I mean, that's what you guys have said consistently. So the consistent themes have been women want security, right? And so in order to get that, either they figure out how to get it on their own or they look to the man, as far as the historical context, they look to the man to still do those things as being a provider and all of those things. So what I'm saying is 
now that there that there seems to be a um, inequality in terms of earning, where do we go from here? Well, look, I, I, I want to go back through history. And, you know, we've been talking about the last 80, maybe 100 years of Western, largely American history yeah. in terms of people's roles in the family structure. And, uh, and look, I want to be clear, that is not how it's been throughout history. If, if you, uh, I mean, there's a lot of documented evidence of cultures where uh, women were the ones with the financial power. Women were the bread earners. Women were the decision makers. Uh, and those cultures still exist today. And I, I think that we've been in a particular era of single earner households because America specifically had enough wealth to make that possible where men have been shouldered with that particular responsibility. But it doesn't have to be that way. And as we're becoming all more educated and capable and financially self-sufficient, uh, it's shifting. And I think, though, there is, it does seem to me that there's some biological truth to what you're saying about women wanting security and men wanting to, I don't know what, I don't know that it's provide, maybe it's fix, maybe it's be useful. I think there is a biological component to that. But I think we can find that security in different structures. It doesn't have to be the structure that we've had for the last 80 years in America. It can be the structure that we, as a unit, as a team, and then as a society, choose to create proactively based in self-awareness. That's where I say security comes from. It's self-awareness in a financially self-sufficient world. I agree. And, and I, I think that, um, I think it's important for us to probably um, acknowledge that in order to fix this, um, we have to create an atmosphere before problems occur where we know now how we approach problems. We, we figure out on the front end that we realize that two people are together. We're going to have some situations where we're going to have some differences of opinion. We're going to have hardships. But this, let's create an atmosphere in our home, in our togetherness, that we, first of all, don't judge each other. Mm -hmm. that safe environment, that safe space where I can say how I feel without fearing any type of uh, 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 judgment. Yeah. That has to happen first. Amen. Before any of that comes so that I know I can come to you and tell you today, baby, you know what? I feel inadequate and I know that you're going to understand the space I'm in. And you can come to me and tell me, well, I'm feeling inadequate today. I want to do something else. I don't know how to approach it. And you not feel that he's going to feel like you whining and that yeah. you're just bitching along the way. That's, that, that, that takes uh, a proactive establishment of protocol within your dynamic. Yes. This, this, is, this is how we do this. And I think that will, that will start. When we talk about money issues, what is the protocol that we approach money? Let's, let's figure that out while we're dating. Yes. <laughs> and they? sex. Absolutely. Eric, it sounds like you have something that you want to say about that. <laughs> oh, that is like that is one of the most fundamental fundamental skill sets too. You've got to establish the protocol for communication around money, sex, use yeah. of time and resources, and uh, child rearing. If you, if, if you can handle those four, you've just cut out 95% of the problems that lead to divorce. Sorry, let me say this real quickly. 
because I know you want to open up for questions, but I do a program in my church called Before I Say I Do. Yes. You know that program, Eric? No, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. Eric said he is all in. Yeah. I do this program. And it has been my experience in the last 16 years that only one couple successfully completed the program. Because what it's saying is before you even buy the ring, when you guys start thinking about getting engaged, yeah. come to counseling. Yeah. And what it does, the first thing it starts asking is, yeah. please define what marriage is to you. Now, the yes. is, is so great because the, they can't uh, show each other their answers until they come to the session. So uh, what you find is that if they don't <laughs> discuss it, that they think very differently from the onset. They think very, what, what I've heard are things that sound like you're in a game. Oh, well, I got his back. That's what games talk about. What are you talking yeah. about? Uh, you know, uh, it's much start discussing. Uh, and one of the questions I asked, um, I said, God forbid, and I preface it with that, but uh, when you say that you are taking this vow, uh, what if your companion, the male, develops prostate cancer, has the prostate, has to have his prostate removed, and he's unable to perform sexually afterwards. Great question. You, yeah. Are you willing to honor your commitment and stay faithful and find other mechanisms for intimacy? The female normally says, yes. I asked the male, God forbid. What if your wife has to have a mastectomy, a double mastectomy? God forbid. Are you willing to stay in that marriage and still remain faithful? I have had guys to look directly in our face and say, eh, I can't promise that. Okay. Again, that's the time to discuss those things and decide yep. on the front end. And then when it gets the money, that's why I say they never complete the program. They yeah. always quit, but they still get married. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I man, that, that's the same course that I taught that Latanya's referenced a couple of times. Uh, I developed one of my own. I'd never heard of this one, okay. but it's the exact same issue. You address these issues in advance, lay the groundwork for that effective communication. Mm -hmm. If you can't address these issues now, you're definitely not going to be able to address them during marriage uh, when, the, you know, <laughs> when the stakes are for real high. Yeah, that's so, when you went with your dupes up. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. You've got to talk about it in advance. And um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I love it. Well, guys, I sent a message in the chat about questions. I know that people have been uh, very active, and I want to thank everybody who uh, – <laughs> I'm laughing because the person who said I have something to say. Okay, so we do have somebody. <laughs> Let me find her, Miss. You just got to give people time. They always have something to ask. <laughs> okay, Robin, go ahead and ask your question. Hi, everybody. It's really not a question. I, I have something to say. I heard, and I'm not really sure who said that, but they referenced that when you say you have your man's back, that's like you're talking about you're in a gang. And here's what I want to say to that, okay? That's my man. I am in a gang with my man because I got his back, okay? I got his left, I got his right, I got his front, I got his back, no matter what happens. So to me, I really need some elaboration on what you meant when you said, no, 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 you don't say that. You're, you're talking like you're in a gang. So oh, no, no, no. Okay, let me clarify. That was me, Robin. How you doing? This is Mario. Hi, Mario. Uh, <laughs> what, I said, what I said was in the context of when the question in the class or uh, the course asked, what is marriage to you? 
and they start using those terms, but it's, it's asking them to go deeper than that, to yeah. say, because that's so subjective. You have a back as long as he ain't cheating on you. You got his back as long as he ain't beating you. You, you got his back as long as he's providing for you. So go deeper in your explanation is what we were asking, is that don't stop right there, dig a little bit deeper, and let's just get a working definition of more than that, because he may not have your back. He may not feel the same way you do. So let's go a little bit deeper in trying to define a working definition. Not saying that that's not important, or that you shouldn't have it, or not to say it. I, we were trying to push them to uh, come up with something a little bit deeper concerning the three levels of intimacy, physically, emotionally, uh, intellectually, let's define what you see marriage is more than I just got your back. Yeah. And, and I would, what I would add to that is that what I found over and over was the first five, six or seven answers people give to the question of what is marriage are just their historical yeah. cultural. It's just yeah. the stuff they saw on television. It's yeah. not what they <laughs> really believe and they don't get down to what they really believe until they have to dig and That's think right. about it for some time. Yeah. So you, you've got to get down to that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for answering the question. I'll marinate on that a little more. Thank right. you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Any other questions? I mean, I feel like Corey has to ask a question just only because Corey was the one who gave us the most chat. Yeah. Come on, Corey. <laughs> just make something up. Hey, Corey, we <laughs> unmuted your, your microphone, I think. Wait a minute. Let me see. Uh, wait. Okay, I thought we unmuted Corey. Hold on. Corey? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, now I can hear you. Awesome, awesome. I didn't have a particular question, but I did want to um, make a comment, especially to something that you spoke about earlier. When you were talking about um, how, how you noticed some things like when you were working and then um, the cases that you were handling where men were kind of having a different time at work than the women were and uh, like uh, they were getting, the women were getting chosen for things and the men weren't and things like that. But I can speak to that a little bit like um, with my situation. Uh, me and my wife, we actually met at work and uh, we're both, you know, we're both people that look like you <laughs> and we met at work and I was kind of working in uh, the technology field actually. And she ended up, you know, starting at the company after me. And a lot of the things that she learned, um, I actually was the person that kind of taught her and trained her. And I would, we both together noticed that, you know, she was getting the promotions and getting the raises and getting chosen for things, you know, and she, she may not necessarily have been the best person for that. But, you know, she was always picked over myself or any other, any other, any other males that looked like her. But we, um, what, what we did was we approached the issue um, as a team. Like we looked at it, we looked at what was happening. We admitted what was happening and we decided to kind of do something about it that would make it work better for us. So I ended up doing, you know, something else. I didn't want to be a part of that system or a part of that world. So I went off and kind of, you know, got my own thing started. She held it down at work because she was, you know, getting the raises and, you know, getting the promotions and making more money. So while she did that, I went and kind of did my own thing. And she built it. She built herself up on that side. I built myself up on the side that I was working on. And then once I got myself together, we flip flopped and it all worked out for the best. And, I, and Corey, I want to I want to speak to that just just really quickly, because what I what I would venture to guess is that one of the reasons that it, it possibly worked out and I'm glad that it did is because he, you guys had 
it it was it was the two of you against an entity it was the two of you on a mission to resolve something that that is uh that is fundamental because what what happened is that when you decided to fight you were on the same team right even though you saw these things happening what happened was you guys said let's connect and let's attack this together. So there, there was, there was never a situation where uh, there was competition per se, because you were there first. So you already knew what was going on. You already knew what it was about, and you had an opportunity to teach and train her and help her so that she could be promoted. And so right. I, I, I'm saying this. I think psychologically, believe it or not even though she may have been getting promoted over you, you were very instrumental in her success. That's a, I think that's a little bit of a different scenario uh, because what it is, it's really the two of you together as a team. And, and you know, uh, Mario or Eric or Samir, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, they, have, they had a very unique situation. But once again, it's, it was the both of them coming together in a complete understanding in a, in a complete, you know, focused purpose of what they was going to do. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, as long as you got those dynamics, yeah, I think it will be successful. And I agree with you, Sophia. He, he was different, definitely yeah. had an advantage. He, he, you, you, he, or you, you actually were in a very good place. And you guys have had a great advantage. Um, and I think, go back to, uh, to Eric, uh, your configuration worked. Yeah. Your configuration right. work. And, and, and right. it, it made you all a team versus being fighting, even though you saw the disparity that was going on and you saw that she was getting promotion, uh, you were still secure enough to realize we're still a team. Yeah. And you maximized on that. And that's why you guys came out like that. I love it. I, I would say Corey and his wife exemplify the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. And it is inspiring. I love the story. Yeah. Thank you so much, Corey. No problem. Um, before before we, we close this out again, this has been really awesome. There's been some really, really great uh, comments here in the chat. Guys, listen, please, you can feel free to go over to the Facebook page and leave your comments. Uh, They're right in the... Um, and on the on the event site, there will be a uh, post seminar survey. We are encouraging you to share your candid testimonials with us. So really excited about that. But um, so Eric, I guess I'll start with you. What are some things uh, that you're that you're working on, uh, and how can our participants keep up with you after this? Well, I host a podcast and an online magazine at together.guide. That's G-U-I-D-E. And uh, uh, I would love for people to listen to the podcast and let me know what they think. It's a series of interviews with real couples about what's actually going on in their relationship, not the fluff. And then I've just launched a 60-second radio feature on the Sports Byline Network. So if you happen to be listening to Sports Byline, you'll probably hear me talking about relationships. Awesome. Safir, what about you? What are some ways that people can keep up with you and what you're doing? I mean, basically y'all are a bit more tech savvy than I am. So, uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, I'm still old fashioned. I don't, I don't have no web pages or nothing like that, but, um, 
you know, I am on Facebook, and you know, I mean, people are more than welcome to, you know, you know, call me, call my office, you know, three three four five one seven one zero two nine. You know, just call me. You know, Facebook me. You know, you know, just just be ready to talk. You know, ready for the real stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, just just call me, inbox me. You know, we can get together, do some things. Awesome. So Mario, uh, again, where, how can people uh, find you? Well, I'm on Facebook um, and sometimes on Twitter. Um, you can reach me there. Um, getting ready to launch uh, Empowerment for Life. Again, where we're going to be dealing with relationship issues as well. Um, but we're going to be also dealing with uh, fathers and some father's issues and um, making dads realize that they matter. Mm. Um, we're doing that. Um, I pastor in Auburn, Alabama, the Kingdom Church, uh, right in the city of Auburn. And, uh, but you can always contact me on Facebook um, and inbox me if you have questions or whatever. And uh, I love to communicate. I do a, a daily post uh, called Coffee with Jesus, um, just some encouraging things uh, to help you get through your day. Um, I'm a humanitarian and I believe in justice for all humanity. So a lot of my posts are centered around um, fairness and justice for all people, regardless of color, creed, national origin, the whole nine. Um, but just learning to love and support people, humans, not seeing color, not getting caught up in the racial issue, but more or less seeing everybody as a human. And we can actually crush um, this racial disparity that we're going through. So that's where I can be found. Awesome. So Mario has graciously giving a, given us his uh, last word for uh, the forum. Safir, what is, uh, what is one thing that you would like to leave with our group tonight? I would just like to tell everybody, just be your true, authentic self and know your own truth. And communicate that with your significant other, anyone you're entertaining for as dating, to give them the option whether or not they can, you know, I guess, I hate to use the word tolerate you, but whether or not y'all com are compatible. Just know your authentic self and know your, your authentic truth. Awesome. Eric? Know your fear. Fear is the access to the true self, if there is such a thing, as far as I can tell. It's our fear that drives most of our behavior, and it's only by surrendering to it and exploring it that we can be finally free from it. Awesome. I love it. Thank you guys so much. This has really been fabulous. It was much better <laughs> than I had even um, expected and anticipated. And I appreciate everyone that logged in has stayed until the very end. So that is really, really phenomenal. That's um, unusual. It is very unusual. So, uh, kudos to uh, to you guys. And of course, everyone, I'm Latanya Moore. You can reach me at www.latanyamore.com. I put it right there in the chat box. Um, there are so many great things that are coming down the horizon. We are going to be, uh, I will actually be facilitating a forum every month about different types of issues, everything from relationships, career, business. We did one last month called What's Behind the Behavior. We're going to bring that back. We're going to have a part two, probably a part three, even to this one. So continue to be on the lookout for that. Uh, go to the website. You can join our mailing list. And then, of course, you'd be uh, the first to know 
about all these things. And since there are no other questions, thank you guys so much for being a part of our forum. Thank you for having me. Thank, thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a great day. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, August 3rd from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com. The end. Mommy, let's read another. Every child needs to read, but 60% of U.S. children in poverty don't have a children's book in their home. This summer, you and your kids can help change that with Save the Children's 100 Days of Reading Challenge. See how at savethechildren.org slash read. Once upon a time, a little girl wanted to become an animal doctor. Save the children. Changing a life lasts a lifetime.